By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place he would later receive as an inheritance. And he went out without understanding where he was going. By faith, he lived as a foreigner in the promised land, as though it were a foreign country, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, who were fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with firm foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, even though Sarah herself was barren and he was too old, he received the ability to procreate because he regarded the one who had given the promise to be trustworthy. So in fact, children were fathered by one man, and this one as good as dead, like the number of stars in the sky, and like the innumerable grains of sand on the seashore. Abraham regarded the one who had given the promise to be trustworthy. How do you come to regard someone as trustworthy? Are there people in your life that you don't regard as trustworthy? I think probably so. And then there are other people that you do regard as trustworthy. And then there are people that you would regard as trustworthy for this, but not that. Trustworthiness is a very interesting thing. How does a person come to be trustworthy? Why did Abraham regard God as trustworthy? I would like to point out to you that that is a very different question when we ask it about Abraham than it would be if we were to ask it of you or me today. Very different question. Well, perhaps we'll come back to that. But I want to begin with this question that we ended with last time, which is, how does faith act according to the future promised by God? And last time we found two things. I printed them in your bulletin today. The faith Faith acts in a way that doesn't make sense apart from the promises of God. A way that might even look foolish to those who don't know or don't trust the promises of God. If I know the promise of God and I trust the promise of God, I have faith, I trust God, well then I'll behave as though those promises are true. Well, because... It's, it's, not, I'm, it's not a work of my imagination. I actually accept them to be true. I trust in them, therefore, and therefore I act in a way that fits the truth. And if I don't accept the promises of God as true, then that way of behaving will look kind of 
ridiculous, to put it nicely. People who trust in God don't behave the same as people who don't. And it's not some magical thing. It's just because every person all the time acts according to what he or she trusts. What he or she regards as true, he or she will trust. If you don't trust it, then we all know you don't really regard it as true. Well, so faith acts in a way. A Christian should look a little bit ridiculous in the world if we think of this. Because I trust in the promise of God that I have an eternal future together with Him. I might risk my life for things that someone without that promise would never imagine risking his or her life for. This is true in the way we uh, treat each other in relationships. If I know God's promise that He will provide for all my needs, not most of them, all of them, according to His own wealth, His riches and glory, according to Philippians, if I know that's true, then I don't need to see that you provide my needs. This might make a very big difference in your marriage. Because now I can become to my spouse, I don't have a spouse, but I, if I had one, I can become to my spouse a channel of God's grace without any particular needs met from the other end. And, of course, the same is true of my spouse. That could go both ways, but I don't need it to because God's love is sufficient. Well, so that means if I'm relying on God's promise to provide for me in every way, I don't need to be a demanding and controlling person in the world. I become a giving person in the world. I can give away stuff with, without care because God will provide. Does that scare anyone? <laughs> yeah. Well, when it scares us, we're hedging a little on our faith in the promise. Okay. Well, that's normal. We're human beings. That's normal. It can be hard to trust someone else to take care of you. But God has promised that He will. So when I rely on the promise, it changes how I deal with everyone and everything in my life. The second thing we learned about how faith acts based on the promises of God, it doesn't seek the immediate comfort of departure from God's ways. 
You know, sometimes departing from God's ways brings immediate comfort. If someone's hassling me about my Christian faith, hmm, well, maybe I should shut up about my Christian faith, and then I will escape the hassle, the discomfort, the social awkwardness. In the case of the Hebrews, the thing they were contemplating escaping was actual material persecution. And they were saying, hey, you know, we're get, if we're going to get arrested and thrown in prison and have our houses taken away from us because of our faith in Christ, maybe we should rethink this claim of Christ or make it less public or switch from church back to synagogue. That's literally what they were contemplating. And then maybe nobody will associate us with Christ and maybe we'll escape the hardship. Well, if I believe in the promises of God, I don't flee immediate discomfort. I stick with Christ. I speak with the apostles when Jesus asked them about whether they wanted to depart and they said, we've believed and come to know that you're the Holy One of God. That's not something anyone can depart from. So we act according to God's Word then and not according to our own sense or feelings. I act according to what's true, and I know it from the Word of God. I act according to what's true, not according to what it feels like. That's a challenge, I gotta say. It's very hard to overrule what it feels like with the truth. But if I understand God to be God and God's Word to be true, then I trust myself to that and I live accordingly. Well, we have another story of that in today's text from the book of Hebrews, Abraham. And we read the beginning of that story in, in uh, Genesis this morning. Abraham obeyed. By faith, Abraham obeyed. I would like to suggest to you that there's no other way to obey God. That if I just follow God's rules, that's not actual obedience. If I just read the lid, the Ten Commandments and try to be that, live that way, apart from faith, I'm not really obeying God. By faith, Abraham obeyed. Here's, here's the thing. If I obey, apart from faith, if I just keep the rules, apart from faith, if I try to be a morally upright person, apart from any relationship to God, well, we have a name for that. It's self-righteousness. 
Now, when I say the word self-righteousness, everyone knows self-righteousness is not really good. What we need is God's righteousness. What we need is a fellowship with God that plays out in our lives right in righteousness, righteous behavior. What we need is the righteousness that comes by faith in Christ, as was mentioned in the text we looked at last week. The righteousness which comes through faith. That's the thing we need. The righteousness that extends from God to us and then through us into the world. Well, Abraham obeyed how by trusting God. Now, God spoke to Abraham directly. Abraham obeyed. The text says, when called. <laughs> That's a present tense word. Like, and the, the idea is, as soon as God said, Abraham, Abram, you know, he was still Abram, though we're calling him Abraham in Hebrews. When, as soon as God said, Abram, leave here and go. I'll tell you where you're going when you get there. How do you even know which direction to walk? I'm not sure, but somehow. Anyway, so God says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you this land, a you and all your people. And it was a big crowd of people in Abraham's household. All those people just left their homeland. Why? Because God said to Abraham, leave your homeland and go to another place and I'll show it to you when you get there. Abraham left immediately. There's no discussion. I remember when uh, God called Moses, there was a long discussion. Moses, go back to Egypt and tell the Pharaoh to let my people go. And Moses said, I'm not going back to Egypt. There was a long discussion. Abraham, no discussion. He just got up and went. Is he crazy? If we were living in the land of Haran, we would have said, that guy's nuts. Some God shows up and just tells him to get up and leave and not even tell him where he's going, and he goes? Why? Well, this text says it, because he took the promise to be true. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going, because he regarded the promise to be true. Even though he didn't know exactly what the promise was. Well, he knew it enough that God said, go and I'll show you where. And Abraham trusted him. How do you know Abraham trusted God? Well, he went. It's that simple. If he trusts God, he's going to go. If he doesn't, he won't. You see, there's always a connection. It's almost as though faith and obedience are 
just two ends of the same exact thing. Trust is just obedience that hasn't happened yet. He took the promise of God as true, and so he went. And then, when he got there, God said, okay, this is the place I'm going to give it to you and to your uh, descendants. I'm going to give it to you. There's people living there. So, by faith, Abraham lived as an alien in the promised land. Abraham didn't go in there with an army and take over the place. By faith, he lived there as a foreigner. God has declared this is Abraham's property. But so far, he's only declared it to Abraham, and he hasn't kicked the other people out yet. So Abraham lives in his own land, promised to him by God Almighty, as an alien dwelling in tents. <laughs> Abraham is on a lifelong camp out in the land God has said, I will give this land to you and your descendants. And this text in Hebrew says, because... He was looking for the city which has foundations. That's not a tent. The city designed and built by God. Abraham trusts God, and so he's letting God provide what God promised to provide. He didn't always do that, though he did in this case. You know, when God said, I'm going to give you uh, descendants, I'm going to make out of you a nation, Abraham took things into his own hands. It didn't really work out that well. And then God provided what God promised he would provide. Well, in this case, Abraham lived as an alien in the land of promise by faith, looking for the city waiting for God to give the city and living in a tent while he waited. Then, by faith, even though Sarah herself was barren and Abram was too old, he received the ability to procreate. Now, this text you might have a translation of this text that doesn't, doesn't quite say it like that. It says, by faith, Sarah received the ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life since she considered him faithful who had promised. And the, the technicalities of this text create this translation difficulty. It's really hard to tell whether it's Abraham or Sarah exercising the faith that's mentioned at the front end of this verse. So one reading says, by faith, even though Sarah was 
barren and he was too old, Abraham received the ability to have children by faith. The other way of reading it, it's Sarah who receives the ability to have children by faith. Well, by faith, they received the ability to have children. Now, that makes it sound as though getting the ability to have children is something they did. But they didn't do that. This is kind of the nature of faith. When we're talking about trusting God, we're talking about trusting what He will do. They received it by faith. But God said, I will make you a nation. And I will make that nation a blessing to all the nations. I will make you a nation with descendants too many to count. Well, God is going to do that. And he, he, he wasn't like sitting around waiting until Abraham believed it to make up his mind about doing it. Abraham just acted according to the promise. And God provided the child the ability to conceive. Abraham did this when the situation was impossible. You see the two impossibilities in this text? Sarah was barren. These are old people. They have been married for many years, decades, and they've never had a child. They are physically not capable of having children. And Abraham's too old. I'm not sure exactly what he was too old for, but you know. In any case, they can't have children. It's not possible. But they trusted God and they did have children. How did all of these happen because he or she or when they regarded God as trustworthy. They regarded God as trustworthy. Now, I would assert, it's not in this text, but I would assert that God granted them the faith to regard him as trustworthy. But in any case, that's what they did. They regarded him as trustworthy. God did what he said he would do. God fulfilled his promise. God fulfilled his promise. Well, here's the thing. God always fulfills his promises. I don't need any if after that. God always fulfills his promises. God always does whatever 
God says he will do. Scripture says God is not a man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should turn back from what he said. He, he's utterly faithful. God is faithful, and therefore God is trustworthy. Well, how is this an encouragement to the Hebrews and then to us? Well, first of all, I would encourage you to obey because you know God. Not because you know how it's going to work out. Sometimes obedience looks like it can't possibly work out. So, I want to encourage you to act according to the truth of the Word of God, whether you can see how that's going to work or not. For me, the easiest place to see this is in life's big decisions where God gives some direction. I'm just going to give you one little example from my life. When I was 42, I'd been the youth pastor in my church for 15 and a half years and I had just noticed recently that 13-year-old kids were starting to get on my nerves. And I didn't know what I was going to do. And somebody said, well, you should go to seminary. Because I hadn't gone to seminary yet. And I had taken some classes and I thought, uh, yeah, I should. But how? In order to go to seminary, I have to quit my job. That's like the quitting my income as well as the work. And go spend a ton of money. How? Well, here's the thing. Once it became clear to me that that was God's direction for my life, I quit. Okay, I was able to begin working on quitting, worrying about how. Whose, whose job is it to provide for this direction? Now, I've been serving the Lord long enough to see for myself on many occasions that when the Lord directs, the Lord provides. So I had to work my believer to trust the promise. To say, okay, well, if I go and I go broke, well, the Lord is leading me into some kind of bizarro land and I'm going to have to work it out from there. But all I know now is go to the land I will show you. So I went. And honestly, I think in these big decisions, that's, that's the easy case where God's direction is very clear. Similar story when I came here. Okay. The little things are not so simple. But they're the same. When God directs, God provides. Obey even if you don't see the provision yet.
Because here is the coolest thing that can happen to you in life. You trust God and you go and he provides. That building that we are almost, pray because we are almost ready to move in over there, is a, just a big old example. We need it, God. So we said we're going to trust God and because this is a level of resources we don't have as a congregation and God has provided it. Happens all the time. It's, it's better that way, isn't it? Than if I figure it all out. Obey because you know God. Well, here's another thing. Not just because you know God, but because God is God. Obey. Trust Him to provide. Then endure your present circumstances because you know God's promises. Oh, and here's the thing. What actually has God promised? Because, you know, we imagine He's promised a lot of things that He hasn't actually promised. We read the Bible and we find some promise He made to some guy thousands of years ago and we think it's a promise to us but it's not. So what has he promised us? He's promised us this. Whole humanity. Wholeness in our humanity. Through restored fellowship with him. On the, sa- on the basis of the sacrifice of Christ. And the outpouring of the spirit. Whole humanity. In fellowship with God. Fellowship with each other, fellowship with creation, restored fellowship, uh, a reversal of our alienated way, our isolating, self-involved way, a reopening of our soul to him first and then to everyone and everything else. That's the promise of God and that is the thing he will accomplish completely in the resurrection to come. So we will walk with God fully. And our relation to each other and to the world around us will be perfected in Christ. That's the promise of God. All creation will rejoice in the revelation of what God has done in us. That's the promise of God. Here's another way of stating the promise. Everything, all things will be woven together for the benefit of those who are called by God, those who love God, those who trust God. Everything, all the good things, all the bad things, everything will work together for the benefit. What's the benefit? It's not what you imagine it to be. The benefit is not great wealth, though we will possess all things. The benefit is not happy family life, though we will enjoy happy family life. Here's what that text says where the promise is made that all things work together for the good of those who are called, who love God 
who are called according to His purpose. The benefit is this, for He has predestined us to be conformed to the image of His Son. The best thing that will ever happen to you is that in resurrection, you will be like Him because you will see Him as He is. You will have the Spirit-filled nature of the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. In fullness, that's the promise of God. There are some things God has not promised you in this day and age. Good health. Good health. Thank you for coughing right there. Material wealth. Some of God's favorite people went through times of ill health and extreme poverty. Some of God's chosen people this very day are very sick and even about to die and as poor as possible. He hasn't promised you a happy family life. Some very faithful Christians have children that they love and they pour themselves into that turn against them. He hasn't promised you these things. He hasn't promised you success in the world. In fact, he's kind of promised you the opposite of that. The world will hate you. Don't be surprised if the world hates you. You'll have trouble in this life. Everyone who desires to serve God in Christ will suffer persecution. He hasn't promised you any particular improvement in your current situation. Except the improvement, which is resurrection in Him. That He has promised you. And He has promised that every moment of every day, no matter where He leads you, no matter what ditch you have to live in, no matter what happens, He is with you in it. And He is providing something you need in it. So that one day, we will say to the Lord, oh, Thank you for that cancer. Because now I see what you did with it in me. That he has promised you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. That he has promised you. Even when you let go of him, he's got a grip on you. Endure your present circumstances because you know God's promise. You would be wise to revise your expectations in this life according to God's word. I expect God to provide for everything he directs. I expect God to work in me through anything and everything. In fact, even myself, looking back over my life, 
it's really the hardest of the times I've been through that have produced the greatest spiritual development in my life. <clears throat> Here's the third encouragement. God will always do exactly what is required to fulfill His own Word. And nothing else. God will always do exactly what is required to fulfill His own Word. God is always true to Himself. That is what makes Him reliable. He can always be trusted because He is always faithful to Himself. If he can shade away from his own commitment to himself, then you can't trust him. Because all of his commitments to you flow from his commitment to himself. The eternal covenant between the three eternal persons of the triune God, where they promise to themselves what they will do in the story of our redemption. He is true to those promises. And so He is true to everyone He's ever made to you. And so, He is utterly trustworthy. This is how Abraham knew him to be trustworthy. We have a long history of his trustworthiness to people. We've seen the cross and the resurrection. My goodness. That's okay. That's trustworthy. Abraham had had none of that. Abraham's the beginning of the story where God just shows up and makes a promise. I'll give you this property and I'll make you a great nation. And through that nation, I'll bless all the nations. But Abraham knew this is God talking. And he knew God to be God. And because God is God, God will do what God promises God he will do. And so he's trustworthy. So when I hear from God, I can trust whatever I've heard. When I read the Scripture, I know the Scripture to be God's Word. I can rely on it completely. Now, that doesn't guarantee I'm correctly understanding it, but I can rely on it completely. God is utterly reliable because God is utter reliability in His very nature. And He has covenanted with himself among the persons of the Trinity. God has covenanted certain things and he will do it. Nothing can stand in his way. He's almighty God. Why do you trust him? Because he is faithful. 
and therefore entirely trustworthy. And you have the testimony of the resurrection. That's powerful. That's What more powerful statement could be made? You have the demonstration of the love of God by the cross of Christ. You have the outpouring of the Spirit of God. The Scripture says He poured out His love in us by giving us the Spirit. So the very love of God dwells in us by the person of the Holy Spirit. We walk in fellowship with God even now. We have the opportunity to exhibit that grace to the people around us and to the creation around us. To exhibit the love of Christ in the community of Christ. To take care of the family of God together. These are amazing opportunities. All in faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed. If I know the promises of God and I know the trustworthiness of God, I obey. It will sometimes be challenging. (laughs) As you know, sometimes challenging. But we walk in His strength. We walk by faith. Father, we give You thanks for this grace that we enjoy in Christ. We trust You. You are the Good Shepherd. You watch over every last one of Your sheep. You never lose a single one. You lead us from the beginning to the end. You comfort us. You provide for us. Lord, sometimes your provision seems difficult or even the opposite of provision it seems like to us. But Lord, we trust your wisdom and your judgment. We give ourselves to you in view of your great mercy toward us. So we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.